0: Hey, everybody. I hope everyone can hear that great music that always plays when we come into the show because it's, it's pretty cool. That tells you my music sensibilities, right, Rod? He's shaking his head going, man, that old guy.
1: <laughs> no, I don't know I like what I got too. myself into. I like it, too. <laughs> I like that. It's jam. Hey, everybody.
0: It's the Longhorn live stream on a Wednesday night, and we're your Wednesday night crew. My name is Ray Peters. I'm an old TV guy from way back when. Who I am is not important, but we got some cool guys with us. Justin Wells, he's a recruiting insider. He knows all about Texas Longhorn football, other schools too, maybe more than those other schools want you to know. And you can read his uh, great uh, essays over at Inside Texas, and we'll tell you how to get a uh, two-month for a buck deal later on in the show. And then Rod Babers, of course, a lifetime Longhorn, great DB, and the legacy of DBU for the Texas Longhorns. Played for Mac Brown back from uh, 99 to
1: 2002, I
0: guess it was. Is that the right uh, era? Yeah, and you're also on the radio in Austin. Hey, Rod, why don't you give a shout-out to your radio station where folks can hear you on weekdays there in Austin? Uh,
1: Thanks for that, Ray. Yes, Monday through Friday, 6 to 11 a.m., so that's five hours a day with my man Aaron Hogan, and we do it on 101.9, a.m. 1260, or you can just get the Horn app or go to hornfm.com and check it out there. So uh,
0: thanks for that uh, shout-out, Ray. I appreciate it. You bet. No problem. We're very grateful that you've uh, joined the – Inside Texas and on Texas football family, I know Bobby Burton was uh, jumping through uh, hoops when he uh, had you coming on board, and he was uh, very uh, happy that you uh, joined the team. And I know that the uh, commenters always like to say, uh, "Thank goodness for Rod being uh, with the uh, program here." So we're grateful to have you uh, with us, absolutely yeah. for sure. Hey, Justin, I mentioned earlier you're our recruiting guy, and so we've got the uh, home game this weekend and a big one. We'll talk about the matchup with Kansas State coming up soon, but first. Let us hear a little bit about some of the visitors we can expect to Austin coming up this weekend.
2: Yes, sir. Gentlemen, um, you know, the list is starting to grow a little bit. We updated it earlier today at uh, InsideTexas.com, uh, kind of a unique. Uh, some of these commits from the class of 2024 is going to be on campus, including Ryan Wingo for the first time since his pledge uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think that's he's ready to come back home and kind of see his guys. And, and I know the staff is, is ready to see Wingo and his family. Um, Brandon Baker, big time five star uh, offensive tackle, commit out of modern day out at Santa Ana, California. He's going to be on campus. It'd be nice if he brought his uh, teammate, right? and buddy, off Auburn commit, um, DeAndre Carter. That'd be nice. Uh, but he's going to be on campus as well. Uh, Elijah Lofton, that's a name Texas fans need to get to know a little bit. 6'1, 6'1 215, 220 pound, chunk monster tight end out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. He's got big hands. He looks like Brevin Randall. Uh, just a big, big guy. Uh, thick guy, really, rather. Uh, he's going to be on campus. He's committed to Miami. This is one of the top tight ends in the country. But like we talked about, you know, Jeff Banks goes big game hunting. That's just what he does. He doesn't settle on prospects. He only goes for the ones that he really wants. And that's why Elijah Lofton's going to be back on campus. Um, and then you got T. There's a potential for TJ Lindsey, Michael Fasusi, one of the top offensive linemen in the country from 2025 in Louisville. He's going to be in, in, uh, on campus. Uh, Ethan Utley is going to be there. Zion Williams, Dylan Battle, Mansfield Timberview uh, defensive lineman. And so, and then Javian uh, Osborne, a 2026 running back, early Texas offer who is fantastic. Uh, he looks great. And so, that list is starting to build up a little bit. But the 11 a.m. kick kind of hurts Texas. It hurts in recruiting anytime you kick off a football game at 11 o'clock, simply because those kids are usually playing football till 11 o'clock the night before. And turning yeah. around and getting to Austin is, is sometimes a pain. And so it, it'll grow a little bit. But, guys, the, mo- the most important factor is the game. Uh, it's, the, it's a top 25 matchup. Kansas State is playing really well at the right time. They might be the one of the most well-coached teams in the country – and so, to me, the, you want to win in recruiting. Keep winning on the field, and if you beat Kansas State, you know on, on Saturday, you knock off a top twenty-five team, the reigning Big Twelve champ. Uh, I think that bodes well for the rest of the season.
0: Sure, as you mentioned, uh, top twenty-five matchup. Uh, Matthew Hutchinson is our producer. Matthew, I know you have that uh, the championship uh, matchups uh, projected, uh, so to speak. You know the first bowl uh, uh, championship series uh, ranking. This came out yesterday on Halloween. So let's just take a peek at this. And, Rod, you're our football expert here uh, along with Justin. Your initial take on this, when you first saw this, did you nod your head in agreement, have a few uh, disagreements? What was your initial uh, take when when you saw this listing?
1: Yeah, basically the committee sending mixed messages, right? I mean, Ohio State's making it because of their resume. They probably have the most impressive resume with the wins that they have so far over Penn State and Notre Dame. Uh, Georgia's making it a lot on benefit of the doubt, reputation, right? Uh, two-time back-to-back defending champions. But they don't have the resume that Ohio State did, so they're valuing resume with Ohio State, but not as much with Georgia and Michigan. Michigan's probably there more, and some people said, maybe they've already been uh, you know, hit and deducted a few points mm-hmm. particularly from the committee because of the scandal, but uh, the committee, Koo, I believe his name is Boo Corrigan, he said that this, that the, he's gonna let the NCAA and uh, the conference, the Big Ten, worry about Michigan and the scandal and the allegations. So it has nothing to do with that. Their rankings got nothing to do with that. But Michigan hasn't hasn't really had an impressive resume. But they probably won their games in the most impressive fashion. right? they've been the most dominant. They haven't even defended a a down inside the ten yard line. No team wow. has got first and goal inside. <laughs> yard line against michigan that's how dominant they've been now maybe that's for a reason
0: right? yeah.
1: uh, that's how dominant they've been they've actually scored more touchdowns on defense than they've allowed which is crazy so, right. That, so that, yeah right? right so they got right. a different reason they're getting uh love and then Florida state for state they've got to feel disrespected because they also in my opinion got the second best resume behind right. ohio state but they're getting dinged somehow uh and then there's right. watching oregon Oregon, highest ranked, one lost team. That's the conversation Texas is in right now. So I like the spot Texas is in, guys, because I think Oregon and Washington, they'll be tested again. That Pac-12, it might be just cannibalize each other. Florida State has their rivals left. They still got Florida, still got Miami, but that's still more key games they got left. Michigan will be tested between o- Ohio State and Penn State, and then we'll see Ohio State and Michigan, of course, they got a face-off. And then Georgia – only the SEC title game, right? That may be Alabama. We don't know who that's going to be. So I like the way it's working out. Texas could still get left out in the cold if they take care of business. But something tells me chaos will it will happen in mm. front of them, and they'll have an opportunity if they
2: take care of business.
0: There you go. Justin, you got any opinions on this?
2: Man, Rod nailed it. I don't know if there's yeah. anything else I can add. I will say this. I think Florida State – is better than this ranking. And I get Mm -hmm. it. They, they went chalk and I understand that it's the first, it's the first ranking, but I think Florida state's actually better than what this ranking shows. And and they'll get a chance if they go through their rivals and win the state championship in Florida, they'll be in the college football playoff. That's a very athletic, good team with a good quarterback. And they are playing hard for Mike Norvell. Um, I thought the Oregon and Texas, you could flip-flop those two. I felt like th- those could go either way, in my opinion. I do think the top five were the right five. I really do. I I, I don't think you can, with the right mind, say Texas should be in this if Quinn Yours is hurt. Like, if Quinn Yours is healthy, we got another conversation. But he's and not. Right. And so this is is what it is at this moment. And, um, you know, it's funny. I like how the, com- uh, the committee guy came right out and said – yeah, we're not looking at Michigan's sign-stealing issues. We're This is basically – that's an NCAA issue. We're, we're just handling the playoff part of it. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but, but that he, He's like, we're not going to talk about that, but here, let me mention it real quick.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we yeah. Can, I can
2: just put that bug in your mind, but I, at uh-huh. the end of the day, guys, I, I think they had it right in the top five. And I will say, the last two years, the number seven team to, in initial college football rankings were TCU and Michigan. And so it uh, it bodes well that you can make the playoff in this spot. Nice. I like but like that. you said,
0: you got to take care of business. Mm-hmm. Hey, folks, we have something called a Super Chat, which is uh, where you can uh, kind of hop the line and get your question in. And Justin Yarbrough did that. And, uh, Justin, let's uh, see what your question is. So thank you, sir, for participating. So uh, Rod Babers and Justin Wells, let's hear some more on why Michael Tapp, mm-hmm. our safety number 16 in the – Roster list number one in your hearts. See, he, why does he need to be on the field and how he's improved and what his career path looks like going forward? Had an interception in the last two weeks. So, what do we yep. think of Michael Taft? I think the coaches trust him. I, I think it's pretty obvious the coaches trust
1: Michael Taft. I think he adds to he brings stability to the secondary. Um, now I know people talk about his athletic limitations, he's not the only one with uh, those limitations in the secondary. <laughs> um but i mean it's pretty obvious that he's partly one, the reason that guys are getting lined up correctly back there i think he's one of the kind of the air traffic controllers back there i think they trust him to get the coverages right not to bust the coverages and yes he could get beat every now and then like all the safeties pretty much except for Derrick Williams uh, he could end up getting beat but at least you know it won't be because of a mental error all right this is a guy that's in the right place he's where he's supposed to be Man, that's half the battle with the coaches. Is the guy in the right place, alignment, assignment, football, and he's one of those guys. His alignment, assignment, football. So, and it, there's no denying the last two weeks, man's been producing. Uh, so, I think he's playing well. I think he's playing better. The more the more reps he's get, I think he's actually playing better. So, he's not right now one of their liabilities in the sec in the secondary at the safety position. Uh, I know a lot of peace controversial because a lot of people. They, they they don't like Taff, but y'all don't like any of our safeties right now. <laughs> pretty much, they don't like uh, fans. Don't like Jerry Thompson. They don't like Keith Crawford. They they don't like uh, Michael Taft. Only guy they may like is Derek Williams. So the truth is, fans mm. are pretty much hard to please right now when it comes to the safety position. But I like what I like tra- Taff's trajectory that, right now.
0: Yeah, well, appreciate it there, Rod, for throwing that in there. Uh, Rustin Hinkle's got another question for you. And uh, he talks about number 37 on defense, uh, Mo Blackwell. So I appreciate Matthew following my lead there. So Blackwell's the uh, guy who's kind of a a tweener. You know, he's uh, maybe a little bit too big for safety, maybe not as fast, maybe a little bit undersized for linebacker. Uh, I guess he's technically a linebacker these days. Do you Mm -hmm. think he's going to be a key part to containing mobile quarterbacks this weekend against Kansas State and in the future? What's your opinion on uh, Mo?
1: Yeah, it was interesting, right? Remember uh, last week they broke out that package. I'm sure you saw it, Justin, where on third downs they were using Mo Blackwell, Anthony Hill, Jalen Ford, and then on the line it was Savandre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and Baron Sorrell. I couldn't figure out why they would break that package out versus BYU, because BYU didn't really present a threat to you. Right. A package that that malleable, right? And that versatile. I, I think they were troubleshooting. I think that you may see this week, you may see that package a lot. If they can get K-State into second and long or third medium to third and long situation, which, by the way, ain't easy. That's why they're a top three third down offense in the country. But they can do it given the right situation. Dude, between Anthony Hill and Dem- Mo Blackwell, each of those guys are, are are hybrid pieces that could be a pass rusher on one down, a blitzer on one down, an off-ball linebacker on one down, or a spy on one down. You just never
2: know which one is going to be. Mo Blackwell is your quintessential hybrid, essentially, and so I think he adds a quick twitch back there that the other linebackers just don't have. He just he has that ability, and he plays with maniacal effort, and that is always you know a pleasantry on, on the defensive side. And so you're going to see more Blackwell. I really believe that. Uh, and I like that he's versatile because you he, he can't really put him in a box. He can play a, a couple different spots and, and do a couple different things. You know, he made his, net, his mark on special teams in the last couple of years, and now he's getting it, his opportunity. He's been dinged up a little bit over last year, and so he's getting his opportunity. You know, an, including Anthony Hill, Mo Blackwell might be the most athletic linebacker on the campus. And so it's that it's just that quick twitch that helps you know spy guys because you're going to face teams that have quarterbacks that can be dual threats. And so Blackwell is definitely a part of this future because he he he, does, he he brings a a little bit of a different angle than some of these other t- uh, old school typical linebackers.
1: And the reason he's sure. good in this game, guys, is because K State loves their running backs in the passing game. Now, running backs are a problem in the passing game. They got uh, Ward, who's really good, Giddens, who's pretty good. Those guys are twitchy, and usually for linebackers, getting to Justin's point, that's a that's a matchup uh, nightmare for those guys with a twitchy running back. Well, now for Mo Blackwell. Actually, Mo Blackwell found it easy to cover those running backs out in the flat and running backs out in, in the pass game. So I think that may be another reason why you have Anthony Hill and Mo Blackwell out there potentially in the K-State game keep up with those running backs. And they got a really good tight end. They probably weaponized their tight end. Benson, know better than any other uh, team uses their tight end in the in the Big 12, really.
0: Hey, Rod, the kid, the freshman quarterback at Kansas State, uh, good speed, right? Avery Johnson. Avery
2: Johnson. Yeah, Avery he, he Johnson. can get it. He, can, he, he was a top 100 NFL. national recruit.
0: Wow. Does the uh, experience <laughs> with the Jason Bean at Kansas, does that help them well, with a the guy with some speed uh, who can kind of do some of the same things? Did the Jason Bean experience help uh, get ready for this kid? I
1: don't know, Justin. You, you, you probably would know about his high school background if he ran track or not, but I do remember Chris Kleiman saying he was the fastest dude on the team. Yeah. That's crazy. That's wow!
2: <laughs> yeah, I only caught a little bit of his tape his last year of high school, just because he kind of he was kind of an under the radar kid for for a long time. And and often when Kansas State gets a commitment, it, it just it's not as is national. People don't know about it as much. But this kid, he, he he hit the rankings hard in the last year and really rose. He was one of those that you know just really athletic playmakers that mm-hmm. could have probably played a couple different spots. Mm-hmm. naturally and, and I think. You know, like I said, Chris Kleiman's group, you're not going to find a better coached team. You might find one as good, but you're not going to find better. And so th- th- they're utilizing this guy. Now, how much remains to be seen, you know, because we're going to see – I think you'll see both. And, and at the end of the day, it, it's really – you're going to pick your poison. And so it, it's going to be a challenge, guys. Yep.
0: They have a
1: package. Hey, Justin,
0: let's talk with you. Sorry. Uh, Daniel any- any- had a question about 2024 recruiting. We pretty much – almost put a bow on that. There's still some big prizes out there to be had, but he asked how many more high school uh, kids in this cycle, meaning 2024. What can you share with us? uh, That's uh, available to be shared.
2: Yeah. I, um, maybe three, Yeah, maybe three or four. They'd love to take, they're going to take another corner. They're going to take probably another safety. Uh, there's a chance to add another O-lineman. There's a chance to add another D-lineman. Um, I think they're pretty much done at most of the other spots. They'd love to add another tight end. They love Jordan Washington, but if you can get Elijah Lofton on campus, which he's taking an official this weekend, then you shoot your shot. I'm going to say three or four because at this stage the class is basically done, and you're going to have to look at the portal because that's just that's just the nature of the process of college football off seasons now. And so, out of high school kids, I'll say four, and that that's that's a I don't say anything over four. I think they'll definitely add another another two players to the secondary, and potentially they, they would take they would cherry pick a tight end or a yeah. D lineman or try to flip a DeAndre Carter. But after that, most of the focus is on 2025 and 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 looking in the portal come December January.
0: And this is Sark doing the the deep sea fishing, right? He's just going for the the big fish. He really uh, he's not going to take a guy just to take a kid, right? He's
2: uh he's going for the no football. he doesn't no they, they they like to keep those scholarships because you <laughs> they like to they like to fill in the holes with 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 portal guys that yes. uh, Adna uh, uh, Adna Mitchell is the perfect example you know they needed a guy that does exactly what he does he fills the role and that's uh that's 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 when the portal helps you because it giveth and it also taketh away amen sure.
0: Thankfully, we haven't been victimized by that too much lately. So people have uh, recognized. Yeah, usually the
2: in the last for, couple for of now, years, right? any guys you've seen go to the portal have, let's just say, been suggested. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily they left because they wanted it was because, hey, you may not have a path to the field. And Sarki is yeah. brutally honest with these guys.
0: Well, yeah. and, you know that's better for that particular player in a lot of those instances. So good for you, you know, to get it up. yeah. Hey, UT Boy, thanks uh, for showing up. We're very happy to have you. We've uh, not had you on this particular Wednesday brand of the uh, broadcast uh, recently, but uh, we're always happy to have UT Boy hop in. I nice. guess John Tay Cook fan there is, and uh, John Tay has got an incredible amount of promise, so you should be a John T. Cook fan. So, thanks, UT Boy, for hopping on. We really appreciate the uh. Generous uh, gift there in the Super Chat as well. So let's see what uh, UT Boy has to say here. All things being equal, UT Boy has high hopes this year. Hope we can find a way to where we need to be. Big 12 championship. So hook him for life. So, hey, UT thank Boy you. just had a greeting and uh, said hello. Oh,
2: team. No, no. He's happier than he's letting on because his, the Soto Eagles upset the Duncanville Panthers. They did, didn't Last they? <laughs> weekend. Yeah. I got to tell you, yeah. I didn't see that coming. I okay. did. I'll, I'll admit it. I did not see yeah. that coming. And actually, I think those two are going to have a nice long run in the playoffs. Don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they woke can, up both. Colin Simmons. If he was asleep, he's awake now.
0: And they're in, they're both on different pathways to us. Yes. They're Yeah. So they can both win a state They won't merge in set
2: state. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, thanks, you, two-boy. We really appreciate that. Hey, Burt Reynolds uh, is always a welcome guest. You know, he comes from heaven and with his giant hat. <laughs> and there he is. He says, uh, "Hey, you know, Bert, Bert. passed away several years ago, but he still has heard that we have problems in the red zone. So <laughs> the news is even getting to heaven or wherever Bert wound up. So, oh, yeah, Ron, what what we are gonna do about that? What are we gonna do about um, this red zone stuff? Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I
1: can't. You can do it. What are we, what are we gonna I, do? I've been in the process of actually trying to watch every red zone play. I'm still in the cool. process of it breaking it down, so I'll have some Woo. more info. I know, trust me. I was doing it early. You talk about Halloween; that was scary. Uh, that was <laughs> uh, I was watching. <laughs> I was watching some of the plays, and you know, it's it, usually when you go back and look at the film, it's not as bad as you think. It actually is as bad as you think, if yeah, not look good. Yeah, and I think at this point, guys, they you know, it had more than halfway through the season they are just a bad red zone offense. It is stupefying. It doesn't make any sense. I think Sark is really frustrated from, you know, what we, uh, what's being reported at Inside Texas and what we're hearing is this, you know, he's frustrated with it. And he's gotten on the old line about it, right. That they, you know, have been, you know, they're lacking that physicality. Um, uh, He's been bragging about big humans for a long time. And what's the point of having big humans when you can't move another human being against their will. Um, And so I think for Sark, it's a point of pride um in the red zone and think about it they're bad in the red zone and in short yardage and on the goal line which you could argue are three different areas <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> right that's a valid point they're not yeah. getting a push in the middle guys the interior yeah. line is not getting a push and that is your goal line issue but like rod yeah. said this is a three prong problem
1: yes their biggest honestly i would take it back to short yardage it seems like the red cat works for the short yardage and that's away from the goal. But when you in the on the goal line and you take away the defense, where well, you really constrict that space and the defense doesn't have to defend the deep threats, it seems right. like Texas is still really, really struggling to score points in the red zone. They're 120th right now in touchdown percentage in the red zone. My thought, you guys know I've been saying this for a while, I would go more of the 6-0 line package in the red zone. I think Sark confused about whether he wants to play bully ball with that big old line, the biggest in the big 12, or whether he wants to be innovative and creative and use a lot of cheat codes, misdirection and pre-snap motion in the, in the red zone to try to confuse uh, defenders. Cause that he's, he, that's usually what his natural instinct is. His offense is really just a compilation a gumbo of cheat codes and force multipliers. But in the red zone, you know, I think he feels the need to, to play more bully ball and and Sark usually constricts and compresses his formations uh probably as much as anybody in the country at least he's a top 10 in most condensed and compressed sets i think that 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 6-0 line package the big 11 big 12 gives him the chance to play his bully ball if he chooses because he's got the girth and the mass advantage on the front. But if he wants to spread him out, he'll get favorable matchups on the outside with his wide receivers. And then you can, you can, t- you can RPO it and tag it. If you want to as well. I think you have more options that way, instead of, are we going to play bully ball or are we going to spread them out? And we're going to try to create space. And we're going to try to use cheat codes and innovation and creativity. He's a little bit confused by which one he wants. I say do both. And I think that's the way to go. And also you know, try to pinpoint exactly where to attack your opponents since Texas is bad in the red zone and they can't really figure out how what their offensive identity is down in the red zone. Maybe try to exploit the weakness of the opponent in the red zone. Maybe that should be the focus from now on instead of trying to figure out exactly who you are. Let's figure out what their weakest at and let's go at that.
2: I like that.
0: I I want to see some tight end development over the next few years. I I see other teams throwing these little five yard passes to tight ends for touchdowns all the time. And I'm going. I want that. So uh, <laughs> maybe maybe one day we'll get uh, some complimentary uh, tight end play. That'll yeah, help.
1: They got to go
0: into JT. Yeah, JT, yeah, but I'd love to have good. a couple of them. I, mean, I watched the, you yeah. You want of that
1: thirteen others. personnel array that that I want the like, three tight ends. Why <laughs> does every university in
0: Iowa have a? 10 different oh, tight ends. i State always got yeah. these guys
1: and
2: hardball so football let's go Iowa and
0: find some tight ends. So uh Juan has a super chat. So uh, Blake Gideon's on the staff. So but if uh we uh somebody decides Blake decides to go off and become a
1: <laughs> brain surgeon
0: or something like that, I guess we might need a, a new uh, safety coach. Yeah, so what do you think it. about Michael Huff? So uh would he make a good safety coach? I know he helps out on the staff already. Uh, he's always there in his uh, black long-sleeve, uh, mock turtleneck. Swole up. Uh, looking swole. Looking swole, man. Yeah. So what, yeah, what about uh, Michael? Does he have too many other interests? Uh I know no. he's got some business interests. So what do we this think is, about Michael Huff? Right? This is a rod
2: question. All I'm going to say is Michael Huff can do anything he wants. Right. That is a very unique individual off the football field. And a driven guy. Very, right? very smart. Very savvy. Very humble. Very modest. If Michael Huff wanted to dedicate himself to coaching safeties in college, buddy, he'd be good at it.
1: Yeah, I think he'd be, and he'd be a dynamic recruiter. He'd be a rainmaker. Oh. Yeah, oh. He, he, the recruiter would just—it'd it, be too easy for him. It really would be. Uh Yeah, of course, Huff can coach safeties. What what I think, you know, and I, I think Blake Gideon. I I don't know exactly the techniques that's being taught, and we don't know the coverages and all that kind of stuff. So most of us, we're just kind of spitballing until we and we don't talk to the the really the position coaches either right they're not they're, they don't let the media talk to the position coaches so we don't, don't get to ask those types of questions um i'll just say this i think when you get better when he gets better personnel that safety period overall i think tech i think you'll see him as a coach i think you'll see his coaching acumen all right start to show itself more on the field if you're, if you're indeed questioning that the truth is texas safeties are limited Now, you should, you know, as a coach, you want to see these guys improve week to week. Now, that would be maybe the the judgment that the guys aren't getting better week to week. Um, But I think you're going to see the safety rotation change a little bit. I think Derek Williams had the most snaps as
2: safety last week. He he has increased every four. The last four games, his snaps have gone up each time. And he led the DBs and safeties and snaps or safeties. You're on it, Rod. Yeah. So I I think well, he's by- not coming off the field any longer for the next three years. It's going to be Jurassic Park in that back seven.
1: <laughs> exactly. And they and if I hear from if I listen to Justin Wright and Jerry Hamilton, they recruiting they trying to recruit a one or two just like him. I get safeties that can spat out cover. They got feet and hips like like corners, and that's what Derek Williams is. And you know I know you know I, you know do you have to be a are you a great coach if it takes great players, right, for in order for you to be a great coach? That's a different discussion. But they need an upgrade at the at the talent, um, you know, at the, yeah. obviously with the overall talent at safety. They do. And I think Derek Williams represents that, why he's playing more, and he's playing really well. And I think you'll see that when they get more talent there. That's just my individual thought on it.
0: Yeah. And it's always amazing how much better coaches get when their talent improves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's a great like player. a miracle,
2: Ray. It's like a miracle divine intervention. Exactly. The best coaching hey, I've Keith, ever seen is no coaching. Don't overcoach. Yeah. Put your guy in well, a position and say let her eat.
0: Boom. Exactly we once right. had a, a legendary coach say the best thing you ever did with a certain player was stop coaching him and let him be him and uh, he won a national championship for us. So Damn right. yeah, one, and I know right I, I know it
2: I know it's a little off script yeah. but you said legendary coach and I can't help but but think and, and and I have to mention this the greatest college basketball coach of all time. I passed away. Huh? Passed away a couple you know a little bit earlier today and I know that's going to be talked about and I know this is a little different form but you said – when you said that, it just – that's the first thing that popped in my mind. I coached basketball in high school for a few years. You're talking about Bobby Knight.
0: Just, just to and, let everybody and, know what we're talking about. Yeah, Bobby and Knight. Bobby yeah, if you Knight. don't know it's
2: Bobby Knight, then you're not paying attention yeah. to college ball. Uh, the man was <laughs> – the man was a very complex individual. And, and the fact – sure. you know, Mo, a, a lot of my stuff I learned from, from Bobby Knight, you know, he, he taught a lot of stuff. He was doing four guard, one post before Jay Wright was born. And so – this was a guy that – and if you look at his teams, a lot of those guys didn't go to the NBA. Or if they did, they didn't really do much in the NBA outside of Isaiah Thomas. He was the consummate coach. And when you said legendary coach, I just wanted to give an RIP to, to Bobby Knight. I loved when he came to Texas Tech and him and Rick Barnes got really close. And I believe uh, Knight gave Rick Barnes the scorecard from his, uh, his, his record-breaking deal because wow. Barnes had such an adoration – for coach Knight for what what he had done for basketball and had done for for the Big Twelve rather and so uh, yeah I, I just had to throw that in there because I'm a ginormous Bobby Knight fan yeah you, you're gonna have some people that, that 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 are gonna come up with some stuff that he didn't do that was you know probably unethical a little a little bit moronic but guys he was the best he could coach for sure
1: right. there are people who are
2: still using his motion offense still mm. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely,
0: Justin. Thanks for those words. Uh, let's uh, transition now. Uh-huh. Hey, Matthew, it's a good opportunity to tell folks about Inside Texas and how you can get a uh, two-month subscription for just a one dollar. Hey, Justin, you always do a really nice job selling this
2: thing. Do you want to take care of this, my man? <laughs> listen, listen. Inside Texas, that's the spot. You got to come hang out with us. We we do such so much fun on the on on Texas football and the YouTube shows. Bobby Burton's really put together a great package of shows and streams and it's so much fun, but, but you got it. The other part of it is you got to come hang out with us at inside Texas. We've got a great deal going right now. Actually, you know, if, if you put in for a dollar, you get a dollar for two months, that gets you into signing early signing day, which (laughs) just understand when it gets in December, that's when the, that's when it gets fun. A lot of craziness happens. Use the promo code O T F I T 23. O T F I T 23 and come hang out with us. Let me earn your business. Let give us a shot. If if we can't earn your business, hey man, I'll say I'll I'll I'll, I'll tip my cap and tell you goodbye and, and have a blessed day. But I promise you, uh, if you let us earn that business, you'll be you'll uh, you'll be happy.
0: Hey, I mean it's November 1st. I mean, you're that'll take you into 2024, won't it?
2: Right, that's right. About that? That's it. That's but it. here's
0: the thing: once you get in to get that sample. Give a little taste of it. That's
2: what that's hey. I tell I tell members all the time, you want to fly? I got something to make you fly.
0: <laughs> oh man. And,
2: and, it, and it's that it's that you got to tap that thing. Huh. It's that inside Texas. Yeah. They got to get yeah. that and it, and it's, it's just like anything else. That uncut, we were
0: joking before uncut. the show that if there's somebody that could get us kicked off the internet, <laughs> it's Justin Wells and I think he, he's on that pathway. I'm the
2: pusher. I'm the pusher <laughs> and, and inside Texas is, is, is where it's at. We, we have pusher so man. much fun. You guys know it. That's we, good. if you think this is fun, you got to check out the members board. It is an absolute blast. So come, come hang out with us, man. Give us a shot. Just give us a chance to earn that, earn that business. That's hey, all we there have.
0: You go.
1: That's why I came hey, over. Thanks.
0: man. That's why I came I really Hey, Working <laughs> man was listening to Steppenwolf. Say, I'm the pusher man. <laughs> yeah how about that working man you gotta give me a thumbs up now hey All we right. can uh, get those uh, super chats in and we'll move you to the top of the list Keith Davis did that a little bit ago and uh Rod he's got something for you he says how has the distribution within the root tree changed or truncated look at that big mm. word from Keith you like that? gotten smaller mm. from Quinn to uh one sample that we saw the full game against BYU with Malik so is the you seen anything? Did you get a chance to evaluate it? Has uh, Sartesian oh, yeah, uh, limited good. or left does it the same? Who those targets can be and the like.
2: Does that change, Rod? Uh, no, not really. That's the streak shouldn't change. Just this Not even the concept shouldn't change. It's just the distribution will change.
1: Yeah, that's. It's a great. It's actually a really good question too, because you know Sark says at least he said before the game we're gonna run our offense. He said it is gonna be the same offense when I recruit these guys. I recruit them so they can play in my offense. I, I project all of them, whether their skill sets vary, whatever a little bit, that they all can play in in my offense. They just all are advanced in one part of their skill set or another. And honestly, I thought they would kind of cut off the intermediate throws. I so because those are the toughest throws usually for quarterbacks. Those in the intermediate area, the deep ball translates uh, usually a little easier for quarterbacks. Especially, I think mean, Malik deep ball. Looks better early on, you know, uh, than D Ball I mean, it deep does, deep
0: ball, right? It he does
1: early on with the deep ball, right? So yes, I think sir. that was gonna be a natural thing for him because he's got an absolute cannon, and I was worried about the touch and the accuracy. But I got to tell you, he was, he's ahead of schedule on the touch and the accuracy for a guy who's a hardball kind of flamethrower because he he's throws with a ton of velocity. I thought he actually put a lot, like, he was well aware. You said he was aware that he yeah. had to put touch and accuracy on it. Actually, there some was time- some
2: air under a lot of yes. those passes in the second half a little too, too much. much air. Yeah, <laughs> a little too much air. I used time. to call Vince Young had the moon ball his red shirt freshman year, and I've seen some glimpses of that. Yeah, he's trying, he's trying to get it right. You got to give yeah. him credit.
1: Um, so uh, I think I, I thought they would cut out the intermediate, but what I saw was the intermediate passes. They they went with the RPOs, which are easy uh, reads for a young quarterback. Right, just looking at one defender and putting him in constant conflict, con- conflict, excuse me. And then on the other end, I I saw they used the intermediate game with with J T. Sanders. And if you're going to work the intermediate area, that's a great player to use it with because he's a matchup nightmare for anybody. So I thought they would cut out the intermediate throws, maybe not as many. Because Quinn was throwing hell 20-yard curl routes. <laughs> so you're not He's getting not no, like that. Yeah, exactly. So maybe you'll get stuff like that later, but you're not getting those types of routes with a young quarterback. Not I yet. think yeah. not yet, exactly. You can tell if, if they give some routes to him, they want there to be wide window throws, wide windows. So that, that's what RPOs come into play. Uh that's when you try to get. Play action pass um, off of you know hard play action pass off of the run game. So I think he's going to take him you know bring him along slowly. But the offense, as Sark says, is the offense not changing the offense. He may call different plays that are more favorable to the skill set of Malik than he does with Quinn. And I think that's the change. Maybe you're, you're noticing, Keith. And that that should be that should happen, by the way.
0: Yeah. Hey, Matthew Daniel Kinnaman at seven o two p m had an interesting uh, question. It might take us down a pathway of some interesting discussion here uh and justin can weigh in on this too kind of the recruiting over aspect yeah. too when does a guy know when it's maybe not the place for him and the like so daniel throws this out rod when does a guy typically know they're not going to make it at texas multiple wow. younger players starting ahead of them third year in the program not breaking into too Ooh. deep when do you know
1: man that's a great question i think All everybody Everybody's got their own experience with that, right? Like, first of all, I wasn't here when the transfer portal was available, so I imagine Mm -hmm. these guys have a different thought process altogether. Right? I made that decision transfer portal. You you sat out a year, and you know, just they had that stigma on you. You know, you oh, you're a transfer portal guy. You must be a troublemaker, or you didn't have the grades or whatever.
2: When you transferred, it was secretive. Yeah, (laughs) think about that. It's like you these days. It's a story back then <laughs> you they didn't tell anybody they didn't share transfer transferring with nobody And when they wound up on another roster is when you found out yep exactly right
1: so I, i'm probably I, I obviously don't have the experience they have but i can tell you you know i i really do find it interesting when guys these days stick it out and they decide you know what even though there are multiple players in front of me and i may be third in a depth chart that i'm going to stay guys like david Benda. Uh, you know, that could have went elsewhere and probably had a chance to play, decided, no, I want to be at Texas. Uh, and Elsie Malik Murphy is another example of it. That prime wanna,
2: example.
1: Right, prime. Yeah, you're right, because that's quarterback. He, yeah, He's probably an easier example than everybody else because you know he would have gone somewhere else and been able to play because teams just need quarterbacks. And, and yet, they're he, also turning down money. Amen to that. That's true. It's such a different spectrum, man. Yeah, and they want to be at Texas. So it's a little different. I remember some guys – where you know they were, it's a different era, they understood that they weren't going to play um because that room, say the DB room, was piled up. I'm not going to name DBs like that, um, but hell, once I started as a sophomore, and then you bring in Michael Huff and Cedric Griffin and Aaron Ross, <laughs> you start bringing in these young callers, on, Nathan Basher. Me, there's some guys in that DB room that knew, okay, I'm I'm not penetrating this starting lineup, not in the next two three years because how much did that push you? It, 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 oh, it, it made me the best player that I could be. I yeah. mean, it really did. That was the that was the key. I think that's the key to Texas. You know, basically taking their their play to the next level. You keep stockpiling that room with talent, and honestly, this is the, what you want as a coach. There are some guys that are going to rise to the occasion. It's going to bring out the best in them, and there are other guys. Honestly, it, they're going to fade to the back, and there's nothing wrong with that. By the way, that's just the natural you need that depth. You need that depth, but you're really gonna you're really gonna see which guys are willing to put in the work to separate. And you know, because I had to. I had Nathan Basher, Michael. I had to I had to stay. I had Nathan Basher follow me around, like hey, when, when you're doing them extra reps, man? Hey man, when you go into the <laughs> weight room, you go when you watch some film, Rob. I'm like, so I gotta watch film and do extra with my dog, that's my dog, but then I gotta go extra do more after him. After I after I after I, after I get done hanging out with nasty Nate hey, doing uh, doing drills after practice, I got to go put in some more work because I know he's trying to take my spot. That's why he's hanging out with me. Because he's like, yeah.
2: He's a Texas dog. He's a Texas dude. The pastor had that dog in him. He had that dog in him. <laughs> oh, got he had that dog. He had dog in him.
0: He had that dog <laughs> in him.
2: Oh.
1: Like, hey, Justin, when you notice dudes around you that got that dog in him and you know you got it in you ain't nothing. ain't nothing else to do. But but assert yourself. I'm gonna be the lead dog. I'm gonna be the big dog. All right. I'm gonna be. And I think that's what happened. So that's my take on it, Daniel. I I don't have the experience. Justin probably can better talk about it than I can because no. he knows these guys in this modern era. I had a different mentality mm-hmm. because I didn't really have a choice. I wasn't going in the portal. It was gonna work. It's gonna work at UT or it ain't gonna work. Period. Yeah. That's I had one path and that, that you know what I mean. And the only way out is through. As my pops would say. That's it, baby. You gotta go. And that's why so I, I, I actually I was glad I had it that way because I hate to think that if I had the transfer portal that freshman year where I'm going through competition and I had a high ankle sprain, Robbie might have been thinking about an exit strategy. I didn't have one. So I wasn't thinking about it. there was only one way to do it. And that was to take my spot.
0: Yeah, definitely a new world. We talked about it earlier in the year The the Pac-12 quarterback situation, more than half those guys are from someplace else. Exactly. And all are thriving. So Killing other it. kids see that and they go, damn, I'm doing that. Exactly. And, you know, maybe they should. They should. So we yeah. I had a good question here. We're gonna dig a little bit more into uh Kansas State coming up. But uh, we got about 20 minutes. We got a hard out at eight o'clock tonight, folks. So we appreciate that. William niche at 653, Matthew. So Williams comment about um the running game, us versus them. So what do we think here? What are we more confident in? Texas running the ball effectively against Kansas State or Kansas State running the ball effectively against Texas? Uh, Rob, what do you think? Have you looked at uh, how both teams uh, run the ball and defend the ball uh, in the rushing game?
1: Yeah, it's, it is a good question. I think for, for them, having two quarterbacks and having the most one of the most diverse quarterback run games in the country um, it gives them, you know, a nice built-in advantage because they can go with either or of those guys, Avery Johnson or Will Howard. Uh, they do got a good crop of running backs. We talked about those guys, Giddens and uh, Ward, I believe his name. They, I like the running backs too. Um, they'll go with some heavier personnel, uh, twelve personnel and twenty-one personnel, so they can run the football. I mean, they 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 make no secret about it. They want to run the rock. And that's what they do really well. You shut down their run game. You pretty much take away their identity. Uh, Texas can beat you in multiple ways. Texas can throw the football. Even climbing said they can throw it and they can run it. Uh, So I think it's more likely that, man, this up. I'm going to go with K-State running the ball against Texas just because they got the two quarterbacks. Um, And Texas, I think Texas can run the ball against them. There's no doubt. I know that that can happen. I'm worried about Texas being able to run the ball when they need to in the red zone. I'm not worried about it in between the 20s. I think Texas going to move the ball in between the 20s. My concern is when they get down the red zone, right. can they run the ball there?
2: I'm going the other way. Okay. I think it's more Texas running the ball effectively because this Kansas State team, unlike the ones in the last few years, can actually be ran on. This is a team, they're giving up more rush okay. yards this year than they have since kleiman has been there. And they're they're replacing guys. And, and you, you make a good point because name a better offensive guard that Texas is going to face this year. Named, you know, other than uh, Connor Beebe. You, you can't. That kid's going in the first or second round next year. Like he is, he, he's going to play in the league for 10 years. So K State's going to be able to run the ball, but Deuce Vaughn is gone. And I know they've replaced him, but you don't replace him. He brought so much for that program, so much because you know it can be a little vanilla. The offense can be a little bland. But when you mixed in some Deuce Vaughn, the flavor came out. And you don't have that flavor anymore. There's no more spice. I think Avery Johnson could be that guy. But, you know, then again, when you see the quarterback, it's almost telling what they're going to do, what it they're going to run. And yeah. I think K-State's not going to have – they'll run some triple option. And it's going to work early because it's just hard to simulate. It's hard to practice against. But once you get assignment sound, once you get adjusted, I think Texas will have an easier time running the ball. Now, granted, I think in this situation – they should take the air out of it with Malik. I think this should be a game where they rush for 250 yards. Let's mm. Don't overthink this. Kansas State's DBs are very, very much better than BYU. Yeah, yeah. And Malik, bless his heart, he's got to get off that back foot. That's going to get mm. you burnt more than a, touching the skillet on the stove. Like, you've got to stop doing that. And he had a couple plays where – Uh, that almost bit him. K-State will pounce on that stuff and take advantage of it. So I'm with Rod. I could go that K-State runs the ball effectively just because that interior line is good, but there's no Deuce Vaughn. And I'm telling you, I think he was such a strong factor for their program the last four years. And the fact that K-State's a little less on the D-line than they have been in the past, don't overthink it. Jonathan Brooks is is, is, is trotting his way to the Dope Walker Award. Cedric Baxter's healthy. And Jaden Blue might have more speed than anybody on the offense. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, let's not overthink it.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, Freshwater Cajun has a comment that's somewhat adjacent to this. He says uh, back a month and a half ago, we had an experience where we uh, were knowing we were going to face a uh, team that had a good running quarterback in Jalen Milrow. He wonders if we're going to do something similarly defensively like we did against Alabama, contain the run game, maybe make them do some uh, passing. Uh Rod, what's your take on anything similar to what we did with uh, Alabama? We talked about this earlier. Um, You know, and Justin was talking
1: about Mo Blackwell because he's a, he's a big Mo Blackwell fan, as we always we, we all are. But that package they used versus BYU, where they had Mo Blackwell at linebacker, Anthony Hill at linebacker, and Jalen Ford at linebacker, Devontae Sweat uh, on the D line, along with Baron Sorrell and Byron Murphy. Man, that they they blitzed out of that package, ran a lot on third down against yeah. BYU. I think that package is something you're going to see a lot versus K-State. It it allows them to be malleable. It allows you to have multiple spies on the field. You have two hybrids out there potentially in Anthony Hill and Mo Blackwell. You can move those guys around. And, guys, go look at that K-State. Go look at Avery Johnson specifically in the quarterback run game because he's the one that really provided the the juice to the quarterback run game. He he doesn't like to run in between the tackles. Most of his rushes, I would say 80% of them or more, uh, yeah, there are, there are CD gap runs, all right? He's getting to the C and the D gap. He's so basically he'll be running away from Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. I think that package allows you to protect those edges a little bit better. Now, Texas, they naturally protect their edges against dual-threat quarterbacks really well and force them them back inside. We saw Ethan Burke as a young player lose, contain Alabama maybe once, and Anthony Hill do it once. Those guys done a really good job of keeping contain on dual-threat quarterbacks. This will be the biggest test yet, but I do think that package with Mo Blackwell out there and Anthony Hill out there a little bit more, now that Ethan Burke is unavailable because he's hurt, that's going to provide you to be, it's going to give you more solutions, more options um, to ch- help you contain that quarterback run game.
0: We got about 14 minutes left in the show. So get your uh, super chats in if you uh, would like to get uh, your question uh, guaranteed to be answered. Uh, we have a uh, kind of a big picture question or kind of a concept here from Kabir Hussein Matthew, about the Michigan. Jim Harbaugh up there. I can't believe so, we haven't touched
2: on this yet, but I'm yeah, going to this. Does
0: this stuff here. affect recruiting? Do parents care about these kind of things? I don't know if you can relate what's happening with Jim Harbaugh to what uh, generally has happened with the way parents uh, perceive things going on there. But, Justin, I'll let you get first shot at this concept.
2: Yeah. Um, First of all, is this a sign-stealing scandal, or is this a scouting scandal? I mean, Ooh. signs are st- – Dolan on a regular basis. Like I'll be honest, when I got into the business, I had no idea how much sign stealing was involved. And if you ever see, you know, you ever see a a Clemson few years ago, get upset by, let's say a Syracuse. Out of nowhere with a backup quarterback. And you think, how in the world did that happen? I learned there's reasons. (laughs) There's some valid reasons to that. Everybody's trying to get an advantage with Michigan. They've gone a little overboard. That's obvious. But do parents care about those things? I think they, it sounds good. They don't, I mean, no parent's going to go in there and tell you, you know, you're doing a great job at at stealing the other team's signs. I think (laughs) they would like their head coach to be moral and ethical and things of that sort. But honestly, I think they just want their kid to be happy. I don't mm-hmm. think they want them to feel comfortable, and I think they want them to have them an opportunity to at least get on the field and potentially go to the the NFL one day. I think that's what it breaks down to. I, Michigan is still recruiting at a very high level. It's not going to. The only thing that's going to affect Michigan recruiting is losing, or Jim Harbaugh taking the Bears' job in January. That's what's going to affect Michigan's recruiting. It won't be signs dealing or, or scouting or any of that kind of stuff. Parents care. They want your coach to be ethical. They want him to be upright and nice but not all head coaches are ethical. They're not all upstanding nice guys. Matter of fact, some of the best ones are probably the meanest SOBs in the business. That's just the way that they get, they're effective. And so do parents care about those things? I think they care more about if their son is safe, if their child is happy, if they're in a good situation and, you know, that perspective, Rod. Uh, I think Justin just hit the nail on the head.
1: Yeah. Parents are about, their kids <laughs> and, and their kids are happy and their kids are taken care of, meaning uh, getting a good education and, you know, the program is taking care of them. I, I don't think the parents are too concerned about what they consider the kind of gossip and, you know, really some uh, salacious headlines. Now, I'm with you. If Jim Harbaugh's leaving. That's the big question I think the parents will get. Like, all right, Jim. Hey. Because yeah. of all of this, when you leave it. and parents do yeah. have no shame, they will ask the coach straight up that kind of stuff. Like, so you leaving? Uh, I need to know because my son. If you if you leaving, then my son's not coming here. That kind of stuff. So that would probably be the biggest concern. Or if they're gonna have NCAA penalties as a result of this in the future, being mm. take yeah. away some scholarships, take away some I don't know, chances at playing in the college football playoff. Then that definitely will have an effect on recruiting because you know that guys want to play for a program they know it's gonna be playing for championships.
2: And the coach that'll be in, in in front of all of it won't be there to take the punishment. Yeah. He might have a show cause he might have a show cause slapped on his yeah. resume, but when he's gathering checks for you know <laughs> from Kevin Warren at the Chicago for the Chicago Bears or the Las Chicago Vegas Bears Raiders, or Listen, the Raiders. gonna be more likely hey, in the NFL next year. It's the Bears. He's, uh,
0: he's gone. Barba. he's the Bears. Yeah, we to leave Blasch, game. For guys,
2: yeah, it's gotta
1: be the Bears because they don't want Do the Bears may end up with multiple. First-round draft.
2: Yeah, And, like in the top, and him in the Kevin Warren were close. Yeah. Who's the, who was the Big Ten commissioner and is now the vice president for the Bears. It's it's just lining I'm up. I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff to tie up there. But they're going to make a run. J.J. McCarthy is going to leave one of the best quarterbacks Michigan's ever had. They're probably going to play for the national championship. And you just hope that the NCAA doesn't get involved and try to act like the Fab Five didn't happen. Because then you just get silliness, it's stupid, and then they throw a bunch of penalties on some kids from the 2025 and 2026 classes that has nothing to Seriously. do with Jim Harbaugh.
1: Dude. <laughs> dude, you just nailed it. We're going to pull this up in like a year, and you're going to have nailed every part of that.
0: <laughs> hey, You're going to be the most popular man in Ann Arbor. They're going to start playing this on all the shows up there. Texas guys, <laughs> empathetic to our plight. Justin oh, Wells. <laughs> hey, Frank DeClewitt uh, mentions Ryan Watts. So I'm watching the game the other day. I go, who's that big number six guy? Is that uh, Austin Jordan? Hey, that's Ryan Watts. I haven't seen him in a while. So it's kind of good to see uh, him back on the field. Yeah, he says being in the game really helps with the run fits. You know, he's a big guy. Got some size there. Come in, fill a hole. Can we see a uh, Gilbo and Baron on the field together? We've talked about this uh, last week, talking about maybe moving a Jada to Jadeda, like a facsimile of a uh, safety Yep. What do we think about maybe getting everybody on the field at the same time?
1: Do it. Do it. I love yeah. it. I love the idea. Because something that bothered me last week that I saw, and we talked about this, I believe, before, when a, an opposing team, and maybe they don't do it, maybe they don't do it this week versus K-State, but when an opposing team goes heavy personnel, Texas has taken Jade Barron off the field on multiple occasions in multiple games. When they go heavy, they'll go 12, yeah. or they'll go 21. He he and barely
0: back. played against Baylor. Was, uh, is that, yes. it's Chet Bush who comes in usually?
1: Yes. And they'll, yeah, Texas will respond by going 40, which is, you know, three or four linebackers on the field. But then they take Jade Barron off the field. He's not one yeah. of the four DBs. Justin, no, this cannot happen. No, I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Because K-State may see this and go, well, they're going to do that. We're just going to go 21 the whole damn game then. Mm. No. Take, put your Dave Barron at safety or put him at corner and take one of those other DBs off the field if you're going to go 40 personnel. But getting to Frank's point, I totally agree with you. I think situationally, put your Dave Barron back at safety and him and Derek Williams play safety. Then you got two coverage safeties. Put Watts at corner or Malik Muhammad and uh, Terrence Brooks at the other corner and put Gilbo at that nickel spot, and you're better coverage secondary already. That should be your third and long package right there.
0: Hey, we've got uh, Sam back at the six thirty one Matthew. He's talking about. Uh, well, I'm going to have you guys, uh, Rod, go back to your memory banks. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. we want to use 2010 yeah. in Sam's example. Wow. 2014 oh. might be another one too. Oh. Um, Ooh. Dabo, if you didn't hear the radio call that was uh, the other Ooh. night, it was something to hear. Uh, uh, some Tyler from somewhere called in and was making some comments and being pretty direct to uh, Dabo about. Uh, how he's losing it, and uh, Sweeney said, uh, "You suck, basically." And uh, <laughs> if you want the job, you go get it. And uh, yeah, he didn't handle it. Little thin skin there by Mister Sweeney. So, it, um, a good seeing one. a correlation between what was happening in the early 2010s with Texas, and we saw things kind of going in the wrong direction, and with what's happening in Clemson these days.
2: What they have in common is they both had Austin area quarterbacks at the same yeah. time. Uh, Clemson with Kate Klubnik, obviously Texas with Garrett Gilbert. I'll say this: Mac Brown handled that season. Uh, if you watch some of these coaches the last few years, where this has happened, especially this year with Sweeney, Mac Brown really handled himself well. You never, you never saw Mac Brown taking shots at fans. Now, granted, it's a different landscape. Social media has transformed mm-hmm. sports completely, and now the person that didn't, the fan that didn't have a voice. Has a voice and, and sometimes it can be amplified, but but Sweeney's got to get him and Jimbo. They, they they you can't come to an interview. You can't come to your radio show ticked off. You can't come in there with a bad attitude because fans they just want answers. And and listen, I don't think it's cool when a fan challenges a coach and says, well, I mean, should we be paying you as much for a four and four season?" I think that's insanely disrespectful, and if, you know that, that that doesn't that doesn't roll in this house. Mm-hmm. But that's why they make this money. Mm. There's a reap the pressure that comes to coaching on this stage. You ask Rod, these coaches are so paranoid. You'd think it's insane. Mm. And and so at the end of the day, there is a comparisons here. I I really do think that. Does it mean Clemson's going to kind of fall off and go into the next decade trying to get back to where they were? That remains to be seen. But we saw Sweeney's hesitancy. With the portal. Yeah, now that's fitting. We saw this. Has, if you look at offers across the country, Clemson is one of the least offered schools in the nation, which actually makes their offer a little more valuable. They don't they don't send out near as many as most other schools. Alabama will send out 280 offers. 280. Wow. They take 25. <laughs> There's a reason why I say those offers aren't committable. Oh, wow. you're all going to commit? Well, this is going to be the biggest class in the history of college football.
1: <laughs> and so
2: is Clemson going to fall off in that regard? I don't know, but Sweeney, Sweeney's Rod said it, thin, thin skin, man. You you got to – he's lucky he's not in Austin because Matt Brown took it on mm. the chin. I think it forced him out early. I think it made him retire early. I think mm. it put him in a position of being defensive the last year or two of his coaching career when Texas was getting better in 11 and 12 and, and, and trying to make a run in 13, losing to Baylor in the de facto Big 12 championship. Um There's a comparison there, and I think it's kind of scary. Sweeney better look in the mirror.
1: First things first. History. Dabo needs to blame his SID. Shout out to to John Bianco in Texas because he does a damn good job. No coach in a Power Five program today should have a call-in show. Where you're actually taking calls, man. You don't <laughs> take calls live anymore. Who the hell does that? <laughs> you're asking for it. You're asking for it, Dabo. What are you doing, man? Mac Brown stopped taking live calls years ago. Asked John Bianca about that. He was like, "Oh hell no, he takes his fans uh-huh. crazy." <laughs> All right, so that's number one. And number two, Justice Wright. He, uh, once again, astute observation. There, there is a lot. There are a lot of different similarities here. I would just say at the end of Mac Brown saying, by the way, Mac Brown, a great human being. I love me some Mac Brown. Mac Brown's one of the best humans I've ever been around. Obviously a Hall of Fame coach, but a Hall of Fame human being too. But at yes. the end of Mac's tenure, I always said Mac kind of went from when he first got here because I was I was I was here when Mac first got here. He went from being JFK to being like tricky dick. He was all paranoid and everything toward the end of his tenure. He's calling calling me in his office and talking about what I was saying on the radio <laughs> I was like Mac. Why are you worried about what I said on the radio? I'm of no
2: consequence. <laughs> what? Was it you that looked? Was it you yeah, that looked? Oh, oh, yeah, man. Oh, man. yeah. It yeah. was 2013, right? Yeah,
1: man. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. yeah. I Mac remember, remember now. about the wrong thing at the time. I had no totally one. Forgot it about that. Mac, Me and Mac talked it out, and we've hugged it out, and since me and Mac right, all right. Good.
2: But I forgot that situation.
1: Yeah, and the Mac said at the time, he said, listen, man, you called out my players. And I gotta have my players back, and I totally respected that. He's like, if you was in, on on my yeah. team and some dude was calling you out, I would have done the same thing to them. Now it's like, I love it. That's that's my that's my coach. I said, that's what I expect you to do. But I had a job to do too, and my job was to inform the fans about what I thought was going on. So we we, we was that out of that. So Mac was Mac was worried about the wrong thing. And you're right. He this is the point I'll make, and I'm it on this. I know we're up against it. Mac told me. He said he got to the point where the losing was hurting him way more than any joy he was getting from the wins. And Sally said the same thing. And that's why Mac had to take a break. And that's why everything kind of went off the rails. There were the paranoia and the anxiety. It was because Mac was the losing. He hadn't lost that much. So maybe he was always like that. And then was he started losing. It was like, damn, losing really hurts. But he was only losing like two games a year. So it wasn't that bad. We start losing like four five a year. It's like, damn, this is actually tragedy. So I for Mac, it was like a psychological we had to reprogram himself that time.
2: When wins yeah. take away the joy and it's just relief, yeah. You gotta look in the mirror and you gotta mm. read you gotta rethink some stuff. Amen. Bro. Yeah. Every coach I think that's highly successful has to go through that. Yeah, like that.
1: Good point,
0: good. Justin. And hey, we have two super chats to wrap up the night, and we're very uh, grateful for those, and very generous. Thanks. Lane Seawright uh, says, Rod, could you go into more detail on how Oklahoma State and Alabama in last year's bowl game used some extreme formations to attack Kansas State? Were they throwing over the top, short roots, et cetera? And do you think Malik can do the same? Do you have recollection of this to uh, help Lane uh, get some clarity on this?
1: I do. And we go over it in detail in football theory with them and Ian Boyd. So, Oh, I
0: love that show.
1: Yeah, oh when it comes God. out tomorrow, it's going to be – we break it all down. Oh, and yeah. uh, essentially, Good. extreme formations forces the three-high, three-down flyover defense to abandon their pre-snap shell disguise and distortion – to get to their alignment and assignment, and it gives the offense better indicators on what the actual coverage and what the actual fronts are. So you go empty formations. You go three-by-one. Go watch the Oklahoma State game they lose and go watch that Missouri game. They run a ton of three-by-one sets. Missouri threw out of it. Oklahoma State ran out of it. It really stresses that three-high defense and forces them to show their hand, and once they declare, you know exactly what to attack. That's in a nutshell. Simple.
0: yeah. Oh, and so, and then you and Ian will talk about this in football theory. So that'll yes, be we go
1: in detail about it on football theory. So, uh, we we'll, like said we spent like I think an hour <laughs> breaking oh, it. Wow. It's, it's must
2: lame. watch. Listen, yeah. fans, it is must watch. I every, every time I watch, I get smarter. And mm. and and I and I, I tell you, my God. son, if you're gonna read something, get smarter from it. If you're gonna watch something, get smarter about it. That's why it's must watch for me. And I'm not just pushing that because I love you guys. I'm pushing it because I like to get smarter. Thank, Thank you, That's Jeff. great.
0: And that's another reason to subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Again, we've uh, hit more than 25,000 subscribers now. Make sure you give a like to this particular broadcast as well. Again, Ray Peters alongside Rod Babers and Justin Wells. And here's the last comment of the night from Football Junkie. Uh, How fast is uh, Ant Hill? Because he looks like the most explosive kid on the field. He gets to the ball from anywhere in the field faster than anyone. Justin, in your uh, recruiting evaluations, I guess Anthony Hill must have really jumped off the tape for you, right? And a yeah,
2: the thing about Anthony Hill, you know, I met Anthony his freshman year, and um, I don't know if you remember. I know Rod does. Uh, Alex De La Torre, yeah, uh, former fullback at Texas. He's a good friend. Coach uh, he, coach, right? he coached. He yeah. coached all those guys at Denton Ryan, and and he's the one that actually introduced me to to Anthony as a freshman. And uh, I got I took his picture. He's wearing a Michigan shirt, and I, you know, it was just it was just funny. And um, Anthony ran track at Ryan. Now, I, I, I saw this question pop up, so I instantly started to look up some times because I couldn't remember exactly. I know we ran on, on a couple relays, and I, I, don't, I don't have any specific times. All I can tell you is he's an explosive kid. He really is. He, 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 that, that, his athleticism translates. Understand, Anthony Hill Sr. played linebacker in college. So when Anthony was Jr. was born, he was programmed to be a linebacker. Now, he was great as a running back. That's actually what they thought he was going to be growing up because he was so dominant. And here's another name for you guys, Landon Hill. Anthony's little brother is already dominating at his level of football. And let me tell you, Landon is one of the reasons Anthony's in Austin. So y'all better represent and respect that boy. And I, I think the explosive is, is there, but you're going to see even more over the next two years because there's still some hesitancy. There's still – you know. I, I, I mentioned it last week. Anthony Hill had his first interception against BYU. Then he dropped it. I mean, couldn't have hit him in the hands any better. And he could he could score on offense. He was a running right. back. He was a weapon. It didn't run on both sides of the ball. So he I don't know if he's the most explosive, but for his size and his speed and his ability to, to do different things, run a relays on a, on, in a 6A track to, on a 6A track team. He's, he's, if he's not the most explosive, he's in the mix. The defense has some guys, man. They, they really yeah, do have some yeah. guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. I think
0: there's a reason why these guys are five stars. They, they, uh, I mean, yeah,
2: Anthony, just, show it,
0: right. Gentlemen, thank you so much. He never goes back out. For... Rod, I always appreciate you. Justin always appreciate you. I know Justin, we got to get out of here, but thanks everyone. We started uh, on time tonight, which was pretty cool. <laughs> at seven o'clock. We gave you more than an hour. And uh, we got to get out of here now, but uh, we thank you so much for joining us and all for the for the great comments. I just checked out the comments on the side there a little bit ago, uh, and there were some uh, incredible discussions going on, and we're very grateful for that. We love the community we have here on Wednesday nights. So again, this is the Longhorn live stream on on Texas football, part of the Inside Texas family, where you can read the articles from Justin Wells daily, and our uh, rods on that uh, radio station there in Austin. He talked about it at the beginning of the show. If you didn't catch that, then please uh, rewind the uh, broadcast uh, a little bit later on YouTube and, and check it out. And you can check him out weekdays, 6 a.m. to 11. That's a hell of a shift you got there going, man. And whoa, 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 man.
2: whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. I, yeah. I, I must not have heard that earlier on. You do a five-hour show?
1: 6 to 11 a.m., man, every morning on 101.9, yeah. a.m. 1260. And you can get the horn app, too. So, yeah, man, me and my man, e. Hogan. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a marathon every day. That's
0: a lot.
2: Okay. That's <laughs> a lot. I've had the pleasure of, of doing the, when they were 1049 the horn. Yep. Uh, I was real close with Trey Elling and yeah, with, uh, no with, with Brad Kellner and Aaron Hogan and Bucky. I actually did, I sat in for, for Aaron a couple weeks to hang out with Bucky and I had yep. to go on his early shift. And that dude wakes up at like 3.30 a.m. That's what, what I am. Yeah. We talked for three hours and I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nine o'clock. It's like your day's about to start. And I thought, I just spoke to for- five hours hey
0: brother that is work yeah people don't get it and it's not you're not you know breaking up rocks and stuff it's not physical labor but there's just something about it that can drain you yes you've got to be kind of on your i mean you physical i mean you you mentally have to be on for five hours that kind of it's a weird thing people don't really get it but it can really uh Drain and, you, and you would so, understand that
2: right better than anybody, you know, coming it. from the, the business you came from. Yeah. You know, in being doing in front of a television? Yeah. Oh, that's why they tell me I got a face for radio. I ain't no yeah. way I can like do it on a camera. <laughs> you know who's got
0: a face for TV and for movies? Rubble. He's right behind you. Look at that guy. He's got, got that dog. dog. You got that dog. Oh, what a good what kid. He's got that dog. He's got that. that dog in him. Hey. Oh, there's a young man right young there. Geez. He's Look got a dog in him prince. too. <laughs> hey, thanks everybody. We'll wrap it up now. This is the Longhorn live stream on Wednesday night. Ray Peters, alongside Rod Babers and Justin Wells. Thanks everybody for joining us. We'll see you next time. And uh, Rod will see you in the morning for five hours <laughs> and off the radio oh, welcome everybody. We'll see you next hours.
2: time. Thanks. Beat Kansas State. <laughs>